0: Just cause I love my podcast. Working fans. I shed blood for my podcast. Ra-da-da. Let a podcast holler. Where my podcast? The pussy hat. All I want to hear is right here my podcast. Somebody say something about a podcast. You won't take this from me, baby. You will not take this from me, baby. Fans, welcome to the Working Fans Podcast presents, a.k.a. Slippery Joe's Fun House, where we bring you a bonus podcast each week presenting your favorite podcasts' favorite stuff. Now, we have some tape traders' Guide to the 90s coming up. We have some cult in Connecticut. We'll be bringing you some Peter X. Murawski and a variety of other things through year two. This is Trevor Murdoch. And you're listening to the Working Fans Podcast.
1: All right, everybody. It's the Working Fans Podcast with the man they call Dave. And today we got a special guest. This man has wrestled for ECW, TNA Wrestling, the WWE, and all over. He is a former two time WWE Tag Team Champion. Ladies and gentlemen, the great Trevor Murdoch. Trevor, how are you? Good, Dave. How's it going, buddy? Thanks for having me on the program. Oh, no, man. It's a pleasure. I've always liked your uh, style, man. You're hard hitting and you bring it. So, I appreciate it. <laughs> well, that just goes—that just goes for my background and, and and trained by Harley Race, you know, he was... He was kind of a no no nonsense individual and he expected the same way in the ring. I'm glad you brought that up because when I first started wrestling I'm sorry, when I first started watching wrestling in the eighties, Harley was doing the King gimmick. So he was wrapping up. My father had told me about Harley Race, and later on I would see his NWA stuff, and of course manager and Vader. But I was always like just very intrigued by Harley, especially the stories. You broke in training with Harley, you had a close relationship with Harley. Could you give us a little background on what it was like to break in with Harley? And maybe any fun race stories if you got them. <laughs> <laughs> In the very beginning, like when, when you first started, when you first started training, like
0: Harley was a little bit standoffish. He was, uh, he was Harley, the king Harley race, or handsome Harley race. Once you, once you invested time into the school, and he knew that you were going to be there for a while, then he tended to open up to you a little bit more. He was. One of the toughest wrestlers in this business, but one of the most kind-hearted men in this business as well, too. If you were his friend, if you were his student, he protected you like no other. But also in that same sense, if you were a friend and student and you messed up, he had no problem telling you exactly what you did wrong and why you should have done it. Harley, uh, if anybody knows Harley, he's got this extremely strong grip. Like he... Harley had these hands, he'd call them them more like paws. They're just so big and strong. And he could take a beer cap, a a beer bottle cap, and put it flat in between his his fingers. And he could squeeze his fingers together and bend that beer bottle cap in half. And I've watched him do it because you'd go out after shows and stuff. You'd go out with Harley maybe to have a beverage or something. And, of course, fans would follow you. And Harley
2: would put four beer can or beer bottle caps in between his fingers, and he would just look
0: at you and crunch his hand together into a fist and bend all four of those beer bottle caps. Wow! <laughs> he was still doing that at you know 65 years old.
1: Yeah, I, I've heard the stories about um, his grip and stuff like that, and how he had that knockout punch in the early days with his bar fights. You hear stories. Well, you yeah,
0: have that. You know, a lot. Most people are right-handed, so when they would go to, you know, mess around and thought they could take Harley, they they were always looking for the right, not not knowing him well enough to know that he was a lefty, and he would smoke you with that left.
1: <laughs> oh man! Yeah, we had Ace Steele on this show before. He told a very funny story about hanging out with Harley, and they had a few drinks, and Harley had drank a little much, but. They said you could hear him in the back making sounds, but he literally like no cell puking. Like he was clearly, yeah. <laughs> They're like Harley wouldn't sell it, and it was like it was amazing.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's not gonna put over anything. He doesn't want to. It don't matter if his body's trying to tell him to or not. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's great. Well, that's awesome. You got to train with him and got to work with a legend like that, man. That's really cool.
0: It's one of the best decisions I've ever made, wrestling career wise.
1: <laughs> now I was looking, and you worked. Now he had a, the promotion was uh, the World League Wrestling, and yes. uh, he had a. You won the your initial championship there, and if I'm reading this right, you won it from Ming. Which I yeah. have to ask, like, what was that like working with Ming? You know, being a young guy, man, all you see is this Samoan man on TV with hair that looked like he stuck his finger in a light socket, <laughs> and just brutalizing guys.
0: It was it scared the hell out of me, especially when Harley said that, Trevor, you're going to be wrestling in two days. You know, most guys get excited. They're like, "Oh, I get a shot," and they don't have to worry about the next day. I had a whole weekend with Ming, yeah. and his, <laughs> his 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 inner persona does not justify how want a good guy. And, and, you know, in the very beginning, I was extremely scared. He's one of those gentlemen that you go in the ring and you, you just kind of do what he tells you to do. <laughs> There's not much you can't you can you can do with that man if he doesn't want to. So it's you know, from a performer standpoint, you're like, holy shit, like, I I need to be careful because if I piss this guy off, like, he could really hurt me. I mean, there are stories out there back in the young days of of Ming that, you know, he got to a, a fight with, like, five or six cops one time and bit one of their noses off. And it's like, oh, shit, like, I'm, I got to step into the ring with this guy. But it was, you know, some of the best wrestling experience
1: I've ever had. I was the first time I'd ever really been in there with a really true superstar. And by the end of the weekend, this man that I was scared <laughs> I was scared for my life when I was around him became a really close friend and is still, you know, a good a good friend of mine today. That's awesome. And and it's funny, I mean, you talk about, you know, being a young kid, like, yeah, you were literally hanging around like two of the most notorious, toughest people like ever in the wrestling game. Harley and then Ming. <laughs> Well, especially when those two would argue with each other who the, who was the toughest, you know? Ming's <laughs> putting over Harley, and Harley's putting over Ming. And you're sitting there watching this argument going, I should probably get out of here just in case these two
2: decide they want to prove this shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I remember one time uh, Harley had brought in Ming, and <laughs> you know, anytime Ming would come to, Har- to WLW, it would be a, a, a standing room
0: only when it come to the locker room. All the boys would come out of the locker room and watch Ming's match. And one night, Ming's in the ring with this young man, and this young man's trying to tell Ming what to do. <laughs> and that's his first mistake. Right. And about five minutes into the match, you're watching, and Ming breaks character,
2: and you hear him, you know, pardon my language, you hear him yell, Shut the fuck up! And he just slaps the shit out of this young man. I mean, just paw on jaw. I mean, just... And this old boy dropped to his knees. Mm. He was able to carry him for like the next 10 minutes, but then he got into the back. Ming's
0: back there throwing chairs around, I mean, angry. Mm. And Harley comes back and he goes, Ming, what's the problem? What's the problem? This motherfucker tried to tell me what to do in the ring. Fuck this. I mean, just going off. And I had never seen Harley had to to calm somebody down so much because Mm. of that because of that scenario it just wasn't you just don't do that with a man like that you know what i mean oh yeah
1: yeah you just don't do that and then of course i'm wrestling him a couple three weeks <laughs> later thinking holy shit like this is okay this is great <laughs> yeah thank you to that guy
0: <laughs> Yes, sir. Yeah. now he's all mad at all of us now i gotta be the next guy to get in the ring well, and obviously uh... ming didn't he didn't take advantage of me you know he treat you know he took care of me he's what a, what a wonderful individual.
1: That's awesome. Now, you had a uh, stay in ECW. You were part of the Dups. Tell people about that character. How would you describe that?
0: You know, when I did Stand Up, it was um, it was in the TNA, the very early, right. very beginning of TNA, when they were still doing their weekly pay-per-views. Vince Russo was kind of running creative. And, dude, like, they, they, you know, Vince just kind of gave me, Vince Russo just kind of gave me leeway. Like, I would throw stuff at him just retarded stuff just like hey what if i was you know what if i was i don't know i was in love with fire and he looked at me he's like that's great that's great like like how do we how do we you know how are you gonna how are you gonna do that and i was like i'll just carry a lighter around you know it i felt very free especially because that was my real first tv experience they were you know vince russo was really open to the ideas and stand up was you know kind of a the name stand
2: up it was just entertaining by itself, mm. but it was a backwoods
0: redneck. I mean, like backwoods deliverance style redneck. You know, I had chew running down the middle of my lip. I'd have a shake,
2: and it was just you know, it was it was a little bit of a false hope because, like I said,
0: it was my first TV experience, and I thought, man, like this is how TV is. This is going to be great. My career is awesome, and of course, you know, you go to WWE and you find out that's not the case. But Character-wise, because I wasn't anything close to myself. I got the goof off, but still had to put on some good wrestling. Mm. Um, and, you know, again, I'm, I i got to be a part of the TNA
1: original. You know, I'm one of the TNA originals. And I don't know a lot of people know that. No, that's interesting. I don't think I put that together either. I remember watching the weekly pay-per-views and stuff back in the day. But that's pretty cool. Right on, man. And shortly after this, you got to OVW and you met Lance Cade. Did you guys hit it off right off the bat?
0: Yeah, actually, we did when we when they first put us together we had we had a you know two matches uh dark matches and and they said you know we got to the uh, we got to the back they said you know you guys are going to be a, a tag team man and and from there on we went into, we went back to the car uh the show was over we went to the car and we headed back to the hotel and on the way back we just we just laid it all out to each other. Like, listen, all right, we're going to be a team. We're going to make money together. Let's be honest with each other, even though there's going to be times we're going to have to tell each other tough stuff. You know what I mean? But as long as we're honest and upfront with each other, we always know where we're coming from. And Kate and I always had that that mantra. You know what I mean? Like, he's, he became my best friend my, my children call him Uncle Lance my, my my son who's 15 who still remembers him you know he's like you know every once in a while he'll still bring it up he'll be like I miss Uncle Lance you know he was became a member of my family and vice versa I went down to his his house for holidays especially when we were in the area he's he became a, a, a very a, you know my brother WWE was putting two guys together to try to make money but we became best friends and you know it, it's not too often you find somebody in this business that has the same thought pattern, thought process about this business as you train similar to you. Lance had, you know, Shawn Michaels background being trained by Sean. I got trained by Harley and Sean and, and Harley's generations actually coexist. You know, they coexisted at one time. So they have the same philosophy when it comes to wrestling. So it just seemed like a perfect fit. And Tim and I both knew that we were two big guys and that, there wasn't anybody that could, that could run with us. We had good technical wrestling, aggressive, hard-hitting wrestling. Um, we could wrestle with anybody, if it was a Paul, London, and Brian Kendrick, or if it was, you know, Big Show and Kane. We we gelled really well together as a team,
1: Kate. Yeah, no, I, I would say that's interesting, too, that you guys did hit it off well like that, because that seems to be one of the things about a lot of the great tag teams is... Uh, even though we find out some of them end up getting on each other's nerves, and that didn't happen with you guys, but we have heard throughout the years that a lot of those tag teams all have initially got along really well.
0: Yeah, I mean, no, don't don't get me wrong. We had our arguments, mm-hmm. um, and, and sometimes they were they were pretty aggressive because we both felt very comfortable with each other, and if we didn't like something or we had an opinion about something, um, Lance and I were both are both stubborn guys, so we would we would butt heads. Mm -hmm. Um, but ultimately at the end of it it was all about trying to put on the best match if we were talking about a match. You know what I mean? It was always trying. Both of us just had
1: a certain standard of what we wanted, and we both wanted to accomplish that. Right, that's awesome. And, I mean, that's like in any workforce, right? You're, you know, compared to people who might be listening to this, like, you know, like you just, you want to be at the best at what you're doing.
2: Of course. And and
0: Lance and I were always honest with each other in the fact that we knew eventually we were going to get broken up. Like, WWE, while we were there, they, you you know, what is it, New Day is probably one of the longest-reigning tag teams in WWE in a long time, and there had to be three of those guys. Right? Kate and I knew the writing on the wall that eventually either creative would, would run short of ideas for us, or they would find an idea for one of us individually in singles, and we knew that we would eventually break up. So, that was the other thing too like we were always honest with each other about the situation this is about making money we can be buddies and pals but we also are here to take care of our families as
1: well mm. how um important was it and how cool was it at the time uh, obviously from a career standpoint when they decided they were going to road you guys and put the tag belts on you man i
0: i was of course i was ecstatic because it wasn't but I don't know, eight weeks before that, I was wrestling independents for Harley. You know, I just did my last independent for Harley. Mm. So when we, we get there and we're they put us on, you know, they start doing vignettes for us, we just think we're going to get pushed as the new tag team, and it'll be a while before we get thrown into the tag team title picture. But apparently our vignettes, when they ran, got really great reactions and a really great reception. And, I mean, you know, we're talking the first couple weeks we're on TV, we're wrestling the tag team champs. In a non-title match, and we're beating them on Raw. We're our minds are we're, we're stoked, we're fired up. This is lit the fuel. We were already fired up, but you just added diesel fuel to it, man. And it's we we were ready to go, and we we didn't show it because we knew that it could change at any minute. But the day we got there in Oklahoma for Unforgiven. You know, we we assumed we were gonna you know do the job. You know, we get there and we get told you know differently. That's not gonna happen. Kate and I are looking at each other going, Holy shit, like that's quick. Like we okay. And we were ready We, we were we weren't ready for it. We were ready for the challenge. We, we just, um, it might, we, we probably, it probably wouldn't have hurt us to put a little bit more time together as a team on TV before
2: they did that, though.
1: Right, and I get that, I get what you're saying, too, right? In perfect world, you could be able to hone a few things better, but obviously you're going to take whatever opportunity comes your way.
0: Right, life.
2: like, and, and there were some guys that were upset
0: about that, like, literally made comments about it in the back, like, motherfuckers just get here and they're putting the fucking belts on them. And I would look at them and go,
2: would you fucking turn it down? Well, no. Well, then shut the fuck up and move on. Yeah. Like, let's.
0: I'm, and, and I apologize for my language. No, it,
1: you can do whatever direct, you want here, man. That's cool. <laughs>
0: I'm a very direct, forward individual. And if I've worked hard for something, I'm not afraid. I don't care who it is. I'll tell you. That was <laughs> that was one of the cool things about when Lance and I in the back, too, was um, everybody knew that Cade and I were a team. And legitimately, when you've seen one, if you didn't see the other immediately, he wasn't too far behind. It, you know, Kate and I, we're just, we're just best friends, man, and, and we'd rather stay away from the, the drama of the office and all that, so we spent a lot of time away from everybody else, and there was a time when we were doing a house show, and Hunter comes up to us, and he goes, hey, I need you guys to watch my match tonight, and of course, we're young guys, you know, we're like, oh, of course, Hunter, we always we always watch your stuff, <laughs> You're, I don't know. You're going to tell us, you know, he's like, ah, I ah come on, back off. Quick kiss my ass. And we go, okay, okay. He goes, he explains the situation. Um, at the time, uh, Triple H and Road Dogg, Jesse James, and Badass Billy Gunn, they weren't getting along. They weren't friends at the time. They'd had a big kind of falling out with DX and all that. But Billy and Road Dogg were in the same town doing an autograph signing As we were doing a house show and they had sent word to hunter that when hunter goes into the ring for the main event they were going to jump in the ring and kick his ass (laughs) like like and none of the fans would have stopped it because they would have all assumed that it was part of the show and so he's telling us this and he goes if you see those guys like come up to the rail and put one foot over that rail you guys go out there and you guys handle business and Basically, what Hunter was telling us that if those guys popped up into the ring, to run out there and proceed to start kicking ass. And
2: of course, Kate you know, said, "Of course, yes, of course, we'll watch, we'll do whatever." But when Hunter leaves, Caden, I are sitting there looking like, "We've got to if those two show up, we've got to go out and fight fucking Road dog Jesse James, with Badass Billy Gunn." Oh
1: my god! A part of us is excited because we're
0: fans. The yeah. other part's like, "Man, this will be a shitty first meeting." Right,
1: then, right, yeah, I didn't think of hey,
0: that. how you doing? I'm Trevor, I'm a big fan, you know. Oh my gosh, Billy Guy, you're awesome,
2: you know. But we were prepared to do that, and then we got back to the, we both got back to the hotel after the show, we were talking about it, and we realized, like,
1: what a big deal that was for Hunter to come up to us and, and go, hey, I need you to watch my back for a minute. And, and we, we took that, you know, that was a lot of pride for us. Yeah, I mean that's amazing that yeah he chose you guys. He obviously saw something that he thought you guys were loyal soldiers and they're gonna have their back and guys he could trust. So that's pretty awesome.
0: And we would have did it too. Like it would like we were we would have thrown whatever opinion. You know, we
1: we did what we had to do to make sure that we took care of you know H. Yeah, God. And I mean I'm not a on anybody too. I mean everybody's a tough guy, but particular Billy Gunn. God, I don't think I want to no, my partner. My
0: 290 pound gorilla of a partner yes. would have had to take Billy because I I have met Billy, I've wrestled Billy.
2: <laughs> that guy's that guy's
0: a machine, an amazing individual. But he's big and he's a machine. And I even told my partner, I was like, you know, if I can get away from Road Dog, I'll come over and help. You know, but you're on your own on that one, buddy. <laughs> right.
2: Like, know. Road
0: dog's no joke either. He's a former marine. Yeah. with uh, one of the brothers to the Armstrong family, so I'm sure he knows how to handle himself. So it would have been
1: a tough night. Yeah. But uh, thankfully, that didn't happen. It ended up being a cool story, but it didn't have to get that far, thankfully. Oh,
0: yeah. No, Kate and I were extremely, we were approved. Yeah. That's, you know, yeah. (laughs) We were very happy that that did not happen. We didn't want to be a part of that, but of course, what are you going to do? You're going to, you're yeah. going to listen to the boss.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, one other thing I wanted to ask you about uh, with K2, you guys did split up for a while, and then you got back together, and you wanted to Tag belts again. How was it getting back together the second time? Was that pretty cool? Or was that, you were like, okay, Yeah, right. no, we would, um, uh, you know, when they split us up,
0: it's it's funny, man. Like, they talk about, you know, with K man, when they were split us up, they just split us up randomly out of nowhere. And what happened was Kade and I got we're doing some extra more vignettes for some future shows, and we we had a producer at the time. His name was Bruce Pritchard, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Bruce was producing our vignettes. We had gotten to a conversation about John Cena. Apparently, Bruce is one of the guys that found John Cena. My tag partner had spent a lot of time with with John Cena down in OVW before he you became the John Cena. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So Lance knew him. Really well, and Bruce is trying to legitimately convince us that John Cena is a thug. <laughs> like he's shoot trying to like guys. Like I don't understand where's the disconnect. Like that's who he is. And Lance, I didn't have I didn't have a dog in the fight because I didn't know John. So Lance is talking. And
2: he's like John's not a thug. Like you can't. Can, I've spent time with him down
0: at OVW for over a year. I know this man. Like you're not gonna convince me that he's a thug, and Bruce got really hot about that and took, got really offended by that. And sure enough, we go into Raw the next day, and after the production meeting, Star Michaels tracks us down, and he goes, "What the fuck did you boys do?" And we're like, "What are you? What are you talking about?" And he goes. Bruce Prichard just went into that production meeting and just buried the shit out of you guys. More so, he buried you, Lance. He goes, I'm I'm going to be honest. I don't know how long you guys are going to be a team. And we were like, are you shitting me? Mm. And he goes, no. He goes, he went in there and buried the, buried the shit out of you guys. And it was but a couple of weeks later, I'm just randomly, we're just randomly not a team anymore. Like, Trevor Murdoch's coming out by himself, wrestling singles matches, going after the Intercontinental title. And we... We didn't understand it. We thought it was bullshit. So we just kept pushing for the office. Like we kept pushing to Johnny, you know, put us together, put us together, put us together. We're a team. We're struggling in singles matches because creative doesn't know what to do with either one of us. And they sure as hell didn't know what to do with us on a singles level. And we had a big European tour coming up. And we said, Johnny, just put us together on the European tour. We're gonna be going to go on 18 days. We're going to wrestle 16 of those 18 days put us on the tour, we'll wrestle your tag champs, put them over and and let us go make some money. And Johnny goes, okay, that's no problem. We had a great European tour. The agents came back, Ricky Steamboat, Arn Anderson came back, like these guys are on point. They're wrestling great as a team. They get great reactions. <laughs> you guys got to put them back together and it was like wwe had no choice they're like well we can either have two singles guys we're not doing anything with or put these guys back as a team and do something with them in the tag team division and, and you know we were constantly fighting for that <laughs> and so once they put us back together we you know on tv we were, we we're back to kicking ass again and thankfully we did enough that people kind of forgot that we just randomly broke up out of nowhere <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, I had forgotten. Man. That's awesome, man. That's a crazy story. It kind of reminds me, and I don't know Bruce. I don't. I don't. I, like you said earlier, I don't have a dog in this fight. But it kind of reminds me of somebody who's trying to bullshit somebody for whatever reason, and then is embarrassed, and he's just getting more and more mad instead of accepting. Oh, hey, I was, I was full of shit anyway. <laughs> you know, just deal with it. Well,
0: and it's you know, Lance and I have been in the business for a long time at that point, and we respected. I mean, and I still do respect Bruce Pritchard and, and what he's done in the business and, and his advice. We just weren't willing to act stupid, like, be treated like idiots. And yeah. if we weren't, Lance wasn't aggressive or rude or anything. He's like, you're just, you're trying to convince me of something that there's no way I know better. Like, yeah. I know what I- I spend more time with him than you have, Bruce. You know,
1: that's, <laughs> that's funny. That's awesome. That's a great story, man. So I, wanna, I think I want to ask you that. You did so much time as tag wrestler, and I've seen you a lot in singles. Do you have a preference to singles or tags? And I, I,
0: I, 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 of course, I liked tag, tag team wrestling more than singles.
2: For the simple fact is that when you're in a tag team, as a, as a tag team wrestler,
0: you have a, a second when you tag out to step out of the match. And see what's going on within the match, mm. and you can, I, in my opinion, I, I get, I come up with more creative stuff when I'm I able to take a minute to think about what's going on in the ring and add it. You know what I mean? Like, whereas in a singles wrestling, as a singles wrestler, you have no time. Like you have, you have to think on the fly. You have to think while you're getting your ass kicked. It's 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 a, it's difficult. Whereas when you step into a tag team especially a tag team with a a wrestler that you know and you're comfortable with. There's so many angles and ideas that you can do in tag team wrestling. and so many stories you can tell as a tag team compared to the singles. It's a little difficult to come up with new stories. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know what's funny? I I would definitely, you know, Go
1: lean towards tag team wrestling. You know, it's funny. I, you know, I've been watching wrestling for years and years, and I don't know why, but as a fan, I was actually watching a match the other night. It was the Street Profits versus Bobby Roode and Dolph Sigler. And it really occurred to me, and I, you can answer this question, I guess, as a wrestler. I thought to myself, I'm watching... I want to say it was Montez Ford. You know, he's selling the beating, and he's trying to make that tag. And I thought, it seems like a nice option in a tag match to try to be also have that option. You're not just selling to try to get back and win. You're trying to sell and get that tag. Like, it's another of the match, right?
0: Yeah, there's a whole nother another aspect of just trying to get out and being in jeopardy. A lot of young guys today don't understand that. And what I mean by that is yes, we're all tough guys, we're all badasses, yes, you're a pro wrestler. But in the same sense, if you're not vulnerable at the right times, if you're not in jeopardy at the right times, it's hard to come connect with the audience because they want they want to feel like feel your pain. Um, a lot of young wrestlers today don't understand that you have to sell and put yourself in jeopardy. And they want to be, you know, a lot of young wrestlers just want to be tough and strong and big, and I don't want to look weak. And that's not the case. They're almost missing
1: out on almost half the story when they start thinking like that. Yes, we're big, tough wrestlers, but if we're not in jeopardy, if we're not hurt, What's what's the fans? You know what? What can the fans get behind? Yeah, it's very interesting. I I always tell people like, for me as a lifelong fan and like just studying what I can of it, I find it so interesting because to me, on one hand, you guys, you guys are awesome. Like most of you guys are legit tough guys that. You don't get the respect you deserve for that, in my opinion. Like, I'm a huge MMA fan, too, but I don't think MMA fans give the respect to pro wrestlers, despite the fact Brock Lesnar came in and won the UFC Heavyweight Championship. Like, there's a lot of legit <laughs> tough guys. But on the other on the other hand, too, you're also some of the best, like, method actors. Like, some of the best top wrestlers. You have to literally be that character. You have to be, like, the equivalent of Heath Ledger as a Joker. You have to live that character to where, like, you know... And that's a fine line, you see, with certain wrestlers. That could be really hard, I imagine. It is, and it,
0: it also it, there's um it's a lot of fun too because like with me I can run that fine line mm. and I can make I, I think I think what I do very well as a, as a wrestler is I make I question I I make people question whether or not what's going on in the ring is real or not. Mm. Especially with all of my, in- with me wrestling for the NWA and what I've done in the NWA, I've been able to connect with the people to a point where they they know it's wrestling, but they're not sure if I'm really fucking this guy up or I'm angry or I'm mad. I, I feel like I do a really good job of running in that realm of believability in what's real and what's not. Like, I think I, I'm able to make people question and if you're
2: able to do that, if you're able to get people to question what you're doing in the ring is real or not, that's very powerful because people are now
0: invested in what's going on because they think they're watching somebody truly get fucked up.
1: <laughs> now, I will even give an example to our audience uh, from a personal experience. I was watching before the pandemic, the beginning of this year, a pay-per-view. It was January. as a TV title tournament. And we had some people who are wrestling fans and a few non-fans that were with us. <clears throat> and uh, the match you had with Danny Moth where you guys started lighting each other up with chops. <laughs> I remember one guy goes, are these guys really pissed off at each other? Do they hate each other? And I'm like, these guys are, the. Uh, <laughs> these guys are very passionate about their craft. And I love that response. You know, that's awesome.
0: <laughs> it was, well, and in- in- Danny Moff, I've never had you know. There's, there's not too many people that I remember hitting me,
2: mm-hmm. and I will always remember Danny Moth in that exchange. Like him and I were both, you know. You
0: get to a point in the ring and you get into a position where you kind of want to, you know, stand your ground, right. and and that's what him and I were doing in there. We were like, hey, all right, I'm the big dog here, you know, and he's like, well, I'm a big dog too, you
2: know, and it's. It's just a, a, a competition of will. Well,
1: it, it made for a great match, man. Before we get to NWA power, just one other quick thing. Uh, 2018, you had retired. Why did you decide to retire at that particular time? Harley was very, you know, we I was I was helping take care
0: of Harley, and he wasn't doing very well health-wise. Also, you know, I'm an old-school wrestler, and... There's a, how can I put this tactfully? I felt like a square peg, a round peg in a square world. Mm. I, I really started kind of getting the feeling that there wasn't a place for me in the business. And with Harley, ended up passing away. I just felt like that was, that was my time to kind of just step away. Like I, I started with Harley. I wrestled for a couple of years before I met Harley, but I was horrible. I was just kids, but I was one of his first students at his school. And it, and it felt like that was, you know, I'm the first, one of the first students at Harley Wrestling's, Harley Race's Wrestling Academy. And now almost 16 years, uh, well, 17 years later, I'm now at his funeral. And it just felt like maybe that, that was, it was time. Mm. You know what I mean? It was time for me to walk away. And, um, you know, I did more than most fat guys from a small town Missouri had ever done. And I felt like, man, maybe it was just time. And when we got to the funeral, you know, I had already kind of conceded to the fact that I was going to be done. A representative from the NWA and the NWA World Heavyweight Champion Nick Aldis came to the funeral to represent NWA, which was amazing, and I was so thankful. And after the funeral, I was talking to Dave Lagata and Nick, you know, Nick Aldis, and uh, they'd asked me what I was doing. And I just expressed to them, you know, that I was on my way out, that I was done, and they just kept telling me, like, why? Like, why are you done? And then I gave them all my reasons, and they basically told me that I was full of shit. And they said, "We're we're starting NWA Power. Why don't you come down to Georgia? Just come, you know, Dave Lagana's tell me, just come down for one show." He goes, "You know, I, I won't even have a, you, know, you won't even have a match. folks. come and be an agent." And help us with other matches. You know what I mean. Mm. And uh, just use your experience to try to help elevate, you know, some young guys. And uh, I said, all right, you know, just don't expect much, guys. You know what I mean. Please. And I, I only planned on going to NWA Power for one show. I get there, I fly in, I get to the hotel, and I get to the arena. And the first thing they asked me is, "Do you have your gear with you?" Mm. And I'm a wrestler. I. Always bring my gear. Like, it's, I don't know. It's just always, you know, when you go to a wrestling show, I've always just brought my gear. And I sure enough told him, I said, yeah, I have my gear. And they said, you got a match tonight with Ricky Starks. And they walked away. Wow. And I was like, all right, cool. That's all right, all right, let's get her done. <laughs> and I had that first match with Ricky Starks. And I got in the back and I got pulled to the side. And, and uh, they said, man, you've got way more in the tank, dude. You... We, we want you to stick around and not only help in the back and be an agent for other matches, but we want you to be, you know, all, we want you to be in front of the camera. We want you to be one of the wrestlers as well, too. And I said, okay. And, uh, you know, I just took one show at a time, one match at a time. And before you knew it, the fans, the fans kind of wheeled me back into existence.
1: That's awesome, man. You took me right on that journey. That's where I was going to go next. And we went to the journey. How you got to W A Power? That's super cool. And it, you know, I will say, before everything happened with COVID, like for me, that was becoming my favorite show to watch every week because it felt like it just one, it felt like it just went by quickly. It was super nice, and there was the anticipation of waiting for the next week's show, because you got one show, just like the old days. It wasn't oversaturation. And the other thing was, I really liked about NWA was there were so many different type of characters. You had this variety. And then with all this, not to put him over, this is your interview, but he came off to me like, when his heavyweight championship matches, it felt different than anything else I was watching in wrestling. It felt like a boxing heavyweight championship or a UFC heavyweight like It felt legitimate. Well, <laughs> and that was that's how you're supposed to feel when the world champ steps into the ring to defend his title. That like it's a moment. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that it's a it's
0: an event when you see the world champ step into the ring. The one the one great thing about NWA is that it's a very dressed down program. And what I mean by that is, as a wrestler, you can't come out and depend on your music getting people fired up. Mm can't depend on some sort of grand stage entrance to get your, the people fired up. It's just you. And you walk out there to those people, and every time you step through that curtain, you have to work for those people's adoration. You know what I mean? Like, you have to work for their attention and their excitement. The other thing, too, is with NWA is when you watch their program, you don't feel like you're 90 miles away from it. You don't feel like you're 50 rows back. You feel like it's right there in your living room. And it's understandable. Like, you can understand the match that's going on in the ring. On top of the fact that if you continue to watch the program, all the matches lead to something. Like, there's a story. There's a reason for everything. Whereas on some of your larger wrestling programs nowadays... The top guy thinks that fans are stupid sometimes, and he thinks whatever I, whatever I tell him to, to, to think, that's what he'll think. And you can't do that. And He's been doing that for so many years now. You've now got a 1.53 rating for your television program. nwa WA, they gave you enough to get you excited about what was going on, and they gave you just enough to get excited about what's going on next week. I remember as a young guy yelling and screaming at the TV mm-hmm. when Gordon Sully would get on there and go, ladies and gentlemen, we have to get off here right now. have Our television time is running out, folks. We'll see you next week and let you know what's going on, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and the program would go off, and I would get so angry. Mm-hmm. But I'll be damned if I wasn't the first guy there at my TV that next week waiting to see what was going to
1: happen. Oh, my God.
0: So that of You know what I mean? Like oh, it, yeah. It led me to want to wanna come back. Like, there was a reason for me to always want to come back and watch wrestling. Whereas nowadays, that's really not the case. If you want to watch Monday Night Raw, you have to block a three-hour <laughs> a three-hour time span at your house. And sit there for three hours mm. and watch this program to figure out
2: what some of the stories that are going on and don't even connect that's one of the reasons why i love nwa power man it's just it's easy easily digestible yeah and it's what's there
0: not to like you got a good guy and you got a bad guy mm-hmm. so let them go out there and do what they do
1: yeah you hit home man for me that uh i grew up Watching NWA, it was for me. It was NWA. I remember uh, worldwide, Atlantic, and David Crockett. Like we're out of time. I'm like, not no. <laughs> and you're jumping
0: up and down. Are you shitting me? Yeah. Get more time. Like, yeah. like that's that's the that's the art of the television wrestling business. Mm-hmm. It leaves you enough to get excited about. I can't wait till next week, Tuesday at six o five. I can't wait for the next NWA episode. And. And we always gave just enough little bit of tidbits to let you know what was gonna be on that episode for Mm -hmm. you to get fired up. NWA Power, that before the pandemic, my career was probably on some of the best times of my career Mm. because everything I did was real. Everything I did was me. I remember having a conversation with Dave Lagana before I went out and had my first match with Ricky Starks. And I said, Dave, what are you guys looking for? He goes, what do you mean? I so what, what you know? Are, is there anything you're inter, You know, you want me to do out there? Is there something you guys are particularly looking for? He goes, No, Trevor. We brought you here. We're looking for you. Go do you. And that was very liberating for me because a lot of other television companies they want to micromanage everything
2: and they want to micromanage the match and they're you know you can't do certain things at a certain spots because then this person will get angry and upset because they think that's part of their stuff. You can't make certain. Arm gestures, because it'll be like this person's arm gestures. There was none of that. It was go out there and get fucking over, Trevor. Mm.
0: And I was like, oh, okay, all right, man. Let's go do it. Let's go get her done.
1: So one of the last things I want to ask you, how difficult was it after all these years now performing in front of like no crowds in a studio? Oh, that sucked. Mm. But I mean,
0: that it's, it's, it, it, it's a tough deal, man to be honest with you. And we want to put on a wrestling program and we want people to see what we're doing. But in the same sense, man, it is so hard not being able to hear those people's reactions, to not feed off of the people. Um, Like you were talking about with pro wrestling, um, it's an art. Well, part of that art, the the way to create that art is to have an audience react. And for me, um, I was trained a little bit more old school to the fact that I I don't have to plan out a lot of things in the back Um, when I step into the ring I let things happen organically and when you don't have that crowd out there to play off of to listen to 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 see what they're feeling it's hard to create that magic in the ring that emotional connection to the people in the ring so it's It's definitely, like, it reminds me of when I first got into the business. Remember I was telling you I wrestled for a couple of years before I met Harley? Right. And one of those times, one of those matches, I wrestled in the back of a Walmart in front of three people. Mm. And I thought that was going to be difficult. And it really was difficult, but it's nothing like being on a national stage, uh, especially going for a world title.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Like a national title and not having any fans out
1: there to react to what you're doing. It's difficult as a, as a wrestler. Man, this has been great. I guess I'll just wrap this up. Are there any goals you got for 2021 and anything you want to promote?
0: Currently, 2021, I'm, my plan is to take the National Heavyweight title and, and put it in the spotlight and, and give guys opportunities. that have been working hard to see if they can, they can fill that spot or at least take my spot. And certainly... 2022. I plan on going after the, the world heavyweight
1: title. That's, awesome. That's my plan. That is awesome. I hope um, to see that. You and Aldis would have great chemistry together. I think. I think you'd beat the shit uh, out of each other. <laughs>
0: a, a lot of people are wanting that match. I just want to make sure that when we do have that match, the most people see it, and Nick and I get paid the most for it. <laughs> so, <laughs> Damn right. <laughs> and if you guys want to contact me, I'm on Instagram, Twitter at the real T Murdoch. And, of course, I'm on Facebook, uh, just Trevor Murdoch. There's not too many people out there trying to be me, so I'm not hard
1: to find. That's awesome, man. Thank you so much. Thank you, Trevor. Thank you so much for this. Man, you were a great storyteller.